Well, we're doing a, a series just now on the parable of the sower. I did started it last week, so let's return to God's word then to Matthew chapter thirteen and just remind ourselves of the parable. That's Matthew thirteen and verses one to nine. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, 1 to 9. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, and such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, and then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. And some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, while other seed fell in good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. He was ears, let him hear. Amen. Let's just bow in a moment's prayer, shall we? Let's just pray. We thank you, loving God, that you have given to us your own precious word. And we ask you, loving God, to really minister to us through it. And we just pray today for those who stand in need of your intervention. We pray for those who are ill. Those who are struggling with hell, we pray for we, Daniel, that he'll just know uh, your healing hand upon them of recovery. And we pray for others who are unable to be with us, that you would minister into their lives and just bless them abundantly and, and fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And enable them to be light and salt in our society. And we pray, Lord, for, for those who have been... Uh, in the wars with Afghanistan, we pray for these folk who have been bereaved of sons, daughters, whatever they might be. We ask you, loving God, to comfort them and strengthen them. And we ask you, loving God, that you would intervene in these situations in our world, that peace might be restored. We pray, Lord, for those who are struggling in their faith. We ask you, loving God, to build them up, to edify them. And may your word be very precious to each one. And that all of us today might feel that we're in the right place. That this is your moment for each of our lives. And we ask you, Lord, to really speak into our hearts today. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. For you alone are worthy of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think this thing keeps popping off. Maybe that's because the battery's low. I don't really know. It could be the battery. Um, uh, okay, I'm back on again, but I may not burn for long. I don't really know. Maybe the battery. Okay, just a reminder of uh, last week, we were talking about the first part of this uh, parable of the sower, and it had to, to do with this hardened soil. And we were saying last week that this soil was hardened because it was the soil in between the strips of land where people planted their crops. 
And the reason it was hard was because the people would walk up and down between these lanes, between these strips of land that they used to actually plant their crops and the, their vegetables and what have you. And we spoke about that, how the, the sower was so generous and so full of grace that the seed lands in all these different soils. So you can't blame the sower for not scattering the seed in all the different areas that we find. And all these soils is really people's hearts. It's really the parable of the soils rather than the parable of the sower. And we find the, the grace and generosity of the sower is without question. And that's a wonderful thing to contemplate. We sometimes feel, well, what's the use of putting seed into this hardened area or that difficult ground? Uh, and we don't know what might happen. Because quite near this hardened ground is other kinds of soil that will give root to the seed. We never know if we sow into some areas that seem unproductive, that there might be close by another area that will receive the seed. And so we find that we cannot complain about the generosity and the grace of the sower. And secondly, we can't complain about the seed. In the whole parable of the sower, there's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with it. And the parable speaks about the growth and the fruitfulness that needs to be there in your life and mine. And there's nothing wrong with the seed, which is the, the message of the kingdom and the messengers of the kingdom. There's nothing wrong with the sower. He's generous and full of grace. There's nothing wrong with the seed. And what we're actually looking at is the soil. And that first soil is really a hardened heart. And it was unproductive. It wasn't taking root, and the Bible talks about the, uh, the birds coming and taking away the seed that was lying there and not being used. And, and Jesus, this is the only parable where Jesus gives us an interpretation of what the parable speaks about. And he talks about the devil comes along and takes away the seed that's lying there. And we say, well, how can people's hearts be hardened? And we spoke about influences from outside of us the, the people that we associate with the things that we watch, the things that we read they can harden our attitudes against the Lord all kinds of things can happen in their life and, and inside of us as well there are things that can happen like a closed mind we were no longer open to what the Spirit wants to do or say in each of our lives and people have closed minds in these days and we find these sort of things happening in people that make them hard. And another one is pride and arrogance. Well, I, I really know it all. You don't have to tell me anything about the Christian faith. I really know it all. And that kind of thing can really harden that attitude. Because that was what was wrong with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They really knew it all. And they could not be taught anything else. And Jesus comes along with a revolutionary message. And the people said he's actually a teacher in a way that nobody else is. And why was Jesus teaching so different? Because all the others would be quoting this rabbi and that rabbi. But Jesus comes with his own authority. The words that the Father gave him are the words that he spoke. And he said, the people said he speaks with authority and not like the scribes. And yet they wouldn't listen. Because of their pride and their arrogance. 
the ground was hard. And I think we have to watch in their own lives so their attitudes don't get hardened and their ways don't get hardened. And we have to be saying at the end of the meeting last Sunday, Lord, soften my heart. Soften my heart. And one of the comforting things about that section of the parable last week was the ground was not always like that. It was people going up and down these narrow strips that hardened the soil. And, and there are people who come into our lives that would perhaps try and harden us against the Lord. But the soil wasn't always like that. And praise God, there's such a thing as God's plough of his love and grace that overturns the soil and exposes it to the dew of heaven, the Holy Spirit himself. That God can do that. God can break up the hardened ground. And so today we're looking at the next part of the parable in Matthew 13. If you have your Bible with you, you might want to look it up because the second part talks about another kind of soil. And you'll see at verse 5 there, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Now you need to, just need to explain something about this part of the parable. What we're dealing here with is not stony ground in the sense that the ground is full of wee stones all over the place. You get ground like that, don't you? The ground is just absolutely full of wee stones all over the place. You can see them quite clearly, and it's not the best kind of ground to plant your seed in. But that's not what Jesus is referring to here. What he's actually referring to here is the kind of substrata. There's, there's a rocky shelf lying underneath what looks like good soil. Eileen brought her sister, uh, bought her sister for her birthday, I think, one time. One of these things that you stick in the garden, you know, it's got the, the wind thing goes round, and there's a wee glass thing or a, a plastic thing that takes in the water. You can see the rainfall or a, a temperature gauge and what have you. And she said to me when we're through at my her mother's, but her sister is as well. Would you like to just put that in the garden for her? Well, I'm trying to get this thing in. Ours stands up straight, but. Every place I was going to, I was getting nowhere. And of course that one kind of leans to the side a wee bit. But it defeats the purpose because it needs to be really perpendicular to, to get the rainfall, get the wind moving and get everything going. But it kind of lies to this side. I could not find an area where they could put this thing in to record what was going on and, and the weather as it were. And Jesus is referring that to that when he talks about the rocky soil. He's talking about soil that is deceptive. It looks full of promise, but not far underneath. Because of the, the weather and the winds of time, there's this shallow piece of uh, g ground of, of earth that's covered a rocky shelf that you can't see. And because that is true, it's deceptive. You can't see that underneath this, this narrow lot or the shallow soil is rock. And of course that is no good. Because what happened in, in eastern climes was you had the hot sun coming. 
And because there wasn't much of a depth of soil, that hot sun gets into the rock and heats the rock up. There's some moisture there at the end of the day. And when you plant in the seed, up it comes very, very quickly indeed. But because of the scorching sun, the seed has not got any great root to it. You find it begins to change colour, becomes grey, yellow and brown, and it shrivels up and dies. And Jesus is really saying to us, saying to people, there are people like that. There are people like that. Who have a very shallow experience and they shrivel up and they die. They, they fall away, they wither away. And what we've discovered that what is happening on the surface is not really taking any root. And last week we're actually talking about the unresponsive heart, the hardened heart. But here we're thinking about the impulsive heart. We're thinking about the impulsive heart. Something that happens very quickly but shrivels up at the same time. Now I have no doubt in my mind that you can think of people just like that. You have people who have come in very quickly into church life have had experiences and have made new friends and, and have done various things in life and very quickly they seem to disappear. And that presents us with a problem. All churches face this problem. And the problem is this, were they really Christians in the first place? Did they really come to know Christ as their own impersonal saviour? Or did something else happen? And, and Jesus tells us quite clearly why they fall away. You'll see the answer there in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 21. Jesus gives the, the answer to this parable. But since he has no roots, he lasts only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. And so Jesus is trying to say to us here that the reason why these folks seem to fall away as quickly as they come is not because of trouble in the family. It's not because of the trials that they may go through with their health or other things that happen in their life. It's because of the persecution or the reaction of the outside world to the word taking root in their lives. It's the reaction of the non-Christian world to their faith. And Jesus seems to be saying here, that becomes the test to the depth of their Christian experience. When they get this opposition coming in from outside of the faith, they can't take it. They just can't take it. Because they want a, a comfortable Christian life, a comfortable existence, and they just sort of shrivel up and, and just disappear from the scene. And what I want to try and get over this morning is, this is not the same as a new Christian. A new Christian is somebody who's come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and they may not know an awful lot. <clears throat> They don't know enough a lot of the word of God or a lot of experience in the Christian faith. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Because there are many new Christians who have a wonderful love for the Lord and, and they're going on with the Lord and they're having to cope with all kinds of reactions of people at work in other situations who are not Christians. But they're not drifting off. 
they find the strength of the Lord to be their stay and all these sort of experiences. But Jesus is talking about a superficial experience of the faith at the beginning that will not stand the test of other people outside of the church who may criticise that person for the word of God taking root in their lives. And that means that we have to be careful about that. We have to say, well, Lord, I realise that there may be folk in the family who don't appreciate my faith, and that can be tiresome and wearisome. There are folk outside the church who don't appreciate what I'm doing in the Lord. But I thank you for your strength, that you can see me through. Now, that's not the same person that Jesus has in mind here, who's a person who's come... And they go as quickly as they come. And the interesting is a, a commentator called Matthew Henry. He's an old commentator and the language is pretty archaic. But listen to what he has to say. He puts it this way. It's possible that there may be a green blade of profession. They may profess to be Christians. But there is yet not the root of grace. Where there is not a principle... Try and just catch the language here. Where there is not a principle, though there be a profession, we can't expect perseverance. There's no principle, there's no foundation really being laid here. But they may have a profession of some kind of faith, but don't expect, says Matthew Henry, perseverance. They're not going to go on. And I know it's difficult to ascertain, did they really come to Christ in the first place? They came quickly, they're off as quickly as they came. Was it a real experience of salvation? Or was it a shallow experience of the faith in their lives? That had no great root, and any kind of opposition that came, uh, from in the church or outside of the church for that matter, it just kind of shivelled up and they went off as quickly as they came. And what, what's the reason for that? What reason can we give for people going off as quickly as they come? The shallow soil that Jesus speaks of. And there are many things that we can talk about. One of them, I think, is a preoccupation with emotion. They get fired up emotionally. That, that something happens in a meeting and, and they're really caught up emotionally in what's happening. And they, they see more about the emotion in their lives than they do about the will. Used to be a great preacher in Edinburgh called Sir Law Baxter. He used to fill the Usher Hall in the summertime, pack the place with his uh, preaching and teaching a great preacher and teacher he used to be the pastor of Charlotte Chapel Baptist Church in Edinburgh and I always remember Sidlow Baxter said this do you think that God is going to do his deepest work in the shallowest part of life and the deepest part of your life and mine is not the emotions they'll be up and down all over the place the deepest part of your life and mine is the will Giving your will to God. I will follow you, Lord. And we found that out when we're doing that uh, psalm. Was it Psalm 119? That wonderful verse. I think it's verse 107, somewhere about there. You know that word that says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a lamp to my path. The next verse, I will follow you, Lord. I will follow your righteous ways. And that's the deepest work in your life and mine. It's not the emotions, but it's in the will. 
But having said that, let's get right here. That God is pleased to work through our emotions. If there's no emotion in our Christian life, we're in a graveyard. Now the graveyard is one of the stillest places on the earth. There's no emotion in the graveyard except those that are going to visit the, the graveyard. And God doesn't want a church to be like that. Now those who are relying on their emotions will come and say, I, I didn't get anything out of that today. I, I didn't feel anything today. And you're going to ask the question, well, what were you after? What did you come for? Did you come for just some kind of warm feeling or, or just to feel good? Or did you come with a challenge presented to you that required the response of your heart and of your will? And very often when people say, I didn't get anything out of that today, they were thinking, but well, what part of you didn't get anything out of it? Was it your emotion? Was it your will? What, what was it, your heart? And you find that in people's lives. <clears throat> and what you find here is it's our walk with the Lord that's going to count at the end of the day. And there's that danger of thinking that any display of emotion is a sign of weakness. Let's get the balance right. You don't want an emotionless Christianity. But the deepest work is not done in the emotions. It's done in the will. And because folk are emotions get caught up in things, they sort of shrivel away. They shrivel off and die off almost as quickly as they come because their emotion isn't getting fed in the way that they want it. Here's Matthew Henry again. He says this, After a fair gale of opportunity usually follows a storm of persecution. To try those who have received the word in sincerity and who have not. When trying times come, those who have no root are soon offended. They first quarrel with their profession. They quarrel with Christianity. And then they quit it. They first find fault with it and then they throw it off. And hence we read in Galatians 5, he says, of the offence of the cross. If you're going to follow the way of Jesus, Jesus said this. They're going to come against you, as they've come against me, said the Lord. Trials which shake some, confirm others. You got that? Trials which shake some, confirm others. It's quite amazing how God does that. And what God is saying to us is this, there, are some, there is some way we can gain the depth that we need. You know, I mean, you know if she's into gardening. I mean, I, my daughter just came yesterday, uh, Rosalind, she's got a new pup. And they whittle all over the carpet. Never asked another story. <laughs> and, and a cocker spaniel. She's got this lovely cocker spaniel. And she came yesterday with a friend and, and she says, Mum, I need to tell you something. I'm not into gardening. Now, Annie's got the front garden of her house and fallen and sterling. It's looking fantastic. And there's, there's even Brussels sprouts growing in the front garden. Now, not many people have Brussels sprouts and the odd cabbage growing in the front garden. And there's flowers there. And so I was looking great at one day. She says, Mum, the, the whole place has been infested and, and taken over with caterpillars. And I am not into gardening. You're the one that's into gardening. You're trying to make me into gardening. So anyway, I don't know what's going to happen there at the end of the day. I just had to go through and sort it all out, I think, at some particular time. But the thing is, these gardening programs, you learn... I mean, this Bill and I were at uh, the school there. It was Friday, wasn't it? Was it Friday? Got a great invitation to Glen Manor School. And it was all about their garden. And they were learning how to get a, a pot and a plant 
and to turn it upside down and, and take it out and see all the roots that are there and then to plant it in a hole and because the roots were there and they were intertwined and they were strong nothing would happen on the outside when it was planted in the ground they would be able to withstand the weather and the winds and that's true of this parable here it has to do with the roots having to compete with the elements and as long as the root is there that's important so what's the lessons that are coming out of this part of the parable number one is this we need to have a rooted faith. And number two is this. We have to have a rising faith. It's no good having roots if nothing rises up from it. A rooted faith and a rising faith. I've got notes, by the way, for you at the end of the service here that you can take away. A rooted faith. Now, Ephesians chapter 3, 17 to 19 gives us this rooted faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith... And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The Living Bible puts it this way. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him, May your roots go down deep in the soil of God's marvellous love. That's a great translation of the Living Bible. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvellous love. And it seems that Paul is saying here in Ephesians, it's really that the love of Christ that's going to help to root you in the soil of his marvellous love. It's that love that love of the Lord Jesus that will root you and establish you in your faith. Now we thank God today for his love, don't we? The love that's the height of it, the depth of it, the width of it, the marvellous love of the Lord Jesus Christ in all these dimensions to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And the Bible is full of teaching on the deepening of our faith and the soil of his love. You remember in Psalm 1, chapter 1, He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers. And only those of you who have tried to remove a tree <laughs> ever tried to remove a tree in a garden? Boys, oh boys, you begin to realise that these roots they just go away somewhere else all over the place what a job to try and uproot we've done that ourselves when we've moved from one place to another place to uproot some trees that anyone wants to take with her to the next garden and you find that the well rooted plant draws from the earth to overcome the difficult conditions and Paul believed that Christians whose roots went deep into the love of Christ would draw from the abundance of all that was needed to guarantee a continuance in the faith. You will persevere. You will continue your faith if you're rooted in the love 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so important. And so in Ephesians he believes that this deepening of the faith is possible where Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. The deepening faith is related to the indwelling Christ, helping us to be rooted and established, Paul says in Ephesians there. Rooted and established in love. True love for Christ is the key that unlocks everything of value. Everything that we need, the resources that we need, are unlocked when we're rooted in the love of Christ. And he said, you remember the story, remember the passage in Ephesians, where the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation, Christ speaks to this church. And they've everything going for them. They're against heresy. There's sort of things they will not tolerate in the church. And yet Jesus said, I've got this against you. That you've left your first love. You've left your first love. And if we're going to persevere and continue when the outside world comes against us, we'll have to regain that first love for Christ. Able to be able to say, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice and I worship you. Our love for the Lord is going to be the thing that's going to root us in our faith, according to this teaching of the Word of God. Somebody says this, Ivor Powell says, Theology without love is like a car with no fuel, a lamp without light, a body without life. The love of Christ is a continent of rich, fertile ground. To endeavour to be rooted in such soil is the most essential duty of the Christian. I'm asking you this morning, where is your faith rooted? Are you rooting your faith in some other person? In some Bible teacher? In some person that you read or, or think about? The Bible says you have to root your faith in the tremendous love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I mentioned not only our rooted faith, but I mentioned also our rising faith. And you'll see that there in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. It says in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. So in the first verse there in Ephesians, it was rooted and established. Get the foundation right in the love of Christ. But here in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it's rooted and built up in him. Rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, says Paul. And it seems to me that Paul is implying here a rising faith, rising in strength through the teaching of the Word of God. And that's why you need to be here, folks, or on a Wednesday night, to be rooted in the teaching of the Word of God. It's so important. Not only do we find the emphasis on the emotions contributing to a shallow experience, but sometimes unbelief brings up. If we're not subjecting ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God, we can enter into unbelief, into doubts, and wondering, where do I, I stand in the Christian life? What's my understanding of the teaching of the Word? Remember what Jesus says about this shitty, shallow people. It's because of the reaction of the outside world to the Word which has taken root. It's not been a, a deep root in their lives. But it's a reaction to the Word. And we need that Word. 
We need to be built up in the teaching of the scriptures. Again, Matthew Henry says this, there are many that are very glad to hear a good sermon. And this teaching of the shallow ground, they receive it with gladness. They receive it with joy. And Matthew Henry says, there are many people very glad to hear a good sermon that yet do not profit by it. They may be pleased with the word and yet not be changed and ruled by it. The heart may melt, he says, under the word and yet not be melted down by the word, much less into it as into a mould. Let me just say that again. It's important stuff. There are many that are very glad to hear a good sermon, that yet do not profit by it. They may be pleased with the word, and yet not changed and ruled by it. The heart may melt under the word, and yet not melted down by the word, much less into it as into a mold. And the Lord wants to shape our lives in the image of Christ. Isn't that what he wants to do? He wants to shape us and mould us in the image of Christ. And some people say, boy, that was a good sermon. It really melted my heart. But it's not got to the stage of moulding us into the image of Christ, which is a different stage in our lives. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants us to be rooted and built up in our faith. And it's interesting in the parable, in the interpretation in chapter 13 of Matthew and 20, they receive it at once. And then in verse 21, it quickly falls away. They get it quickly, and just as quickly goes away. Matthew Henry again says, Observe how soon they fall away, by and by. As soon rotten as they were ripe. <laughs> My goodness, that's quite something, isn't it? As soon rotten as they were ripe. A profession taking up without consideration is commonly let fall without it. If you take up a profession of the Christian faith and you don't consider it, you'll fall away without considering it. Lightly come, he says, lightly go. And it seems to me that a rising faith is the one that's going to strengthen us in our belief. It's going to be a rising faith, an edifying faith, a building up faith when we subject ourselves to the teaching of the word of God. When we're willing to get our Bibles open. In Ephesians 3 verse 1 then. Need to be rooted and established in the love of Christ. In Colossians 2. I need to be rooted and built up in the life of Christ. So then just as you received Christ Jesus Lord. Paul says continue to live in him. So what have we been learning here this morning. It's possible for the soil to be deceptively shallow. You can't see it. You don't know how people are going to react to the word of God. And the soil looks good. It looks perfect. But underneath there's a deceptive shelf of rock. That will heat up quickly. And have some moisture. And the planting of the seed will come up very quickly. And die just as quickly. As it comes up. Because says Jesus. Of the opposition. The persecution that comes. From the word being planned. Not because of family struggles. And the trials that we have in the home. And what have you. But because of the opposition from outside. And people who are shallow don't like that. They want a comfortable faith. That everybody will be pleased with them. That nobody will be against them. 
And if they try and share their faith and somebody knocks them down, that's it, I'm giving that up. But the Bible says, we want you to be rooted and established in the love of God, Christ. We want you to be rooted and built up by the teaching of the word of God. And if that happens, you will continue and you will persevere, even though the world comes against us. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Isn't that true? Greater is the Lord in us than the enemy who tries to knock us down. They've got the unproductive soil of last week. And the soil this week is the impulsive soil. It comes and it goes as quickly as it comes. I trust and pray that all of us here will be rooted and established, rooted and built up because of Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God, we want to thank you for the teaching of your word and we, we thank you for this parable of the sower. There's so much to teach us. But we pray especially today for those who have come around us, people that we know, Lord, who sprouted up so quickly, we thought everything was going great and they're no longer here. They're no longer, it seems anyway, in the kingdom. And there are times where we don't really know whether they're true Christians who are backslidden or they never had their root deep down to begin with you're the only one that knows that but we just pray for these shallow people or shallow believers and we want to call them that that you'll do a tremendous work in their hearts that they will be rooted and established and rooted and built up in their faith and when that happens we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. And we thank you for your love. Your love, Lord, for each one of us when we struggle and, and we have trials. And that's not the same as this shallow soil. Because we have known your love. We have known your word. And we persevere. And we continue as evidence of that. Speak to us continually through this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Feel free to take the notes before you leave and you can get the I take a home leaflet with you. Okay, thanks. <laughs>